Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Transcending Together with Julianne and Lee. Welcome back from the news. Those of you who are just joining us, thank you for joining us. And those who have stayed on from my show previously, thank you for staying with us. Today, we have a very sensitive topic to discuss. And in some ways, it does follow from what we were talking about last week, where I was having such a difficult time with my mental health. And so Lee and I were chatting about it. And obviously, with her being a coach, NLP practitioner, hypnotherapist and stuff, a lot of the stuff she was talking about last week, when we were doing a a sort of debrief after the show, we thought actually this would probably be a very good topic to take into more detail. So in that regard, so I've been doing some research this week and I came across an article in The Guardian which said that nearly, well, more than half, that I think they said 55% of young transgender kids have attempted or contemplated suicide. And that's a really high number. And I think we know this to a certain extent in our community. We understand how pressure, how pressurized it is in terms of everything that we have to deal with as well as just day-to-day stuff. So Lee and I thought we would have a conversation about this. And so I'm going to let Lee do more of the talking this week, and I'm going to try and ask her difficult questions or probing questions. And then we can hopefully unpack this a little bit, talk about some of the issues, and then come up with some coping strategies and some suggestions from Lee in terms of how we manage this in our lives. So let's, let me start by handing over to Lee. And do you want to take us in from your perspective? Yes, thank you, Julie. This is a subject that's really close to my heart because I've had my own mental health struggles and I've kind of shared some of that in. But I think on the whole, our precious community faces a wide range of mental health issues. And I think particularly with the overburdened NHS, it's difficult to get help when you need it. And I think in terms of the mental health issues, it's often exaggerated because of the societal prejudice because of discrimination and because of a general lack of understanding. So the depression and the anxiety rates in our community is often sort of more exaggerated. I know suicide risks are particularly in the youth and transgender individuals, and they basically just disproportionately high rates. And it's often, again, linked to rejection and harassment, discrimination. And I think the other big problem also facing energy is the substance abuse. And again, I've, I've had my own problems with, with alcohol. And I know that these issues are quite high within our community. And it can be a, a form of self-medication to cope the stress associated with it and, and the stigma, really, as well as sort of your post-traumatic stress disorders. People in our community are more likely to experience traumatic events, to violence and harassment. Also in terms of body dysmorphia, you could have eating disorders, which are more prevalent in our community. You know, particularly with the societal pressure of trying to conform to certain body shapes and things like that. So I think these are very challenging and it's important to remember 
that there is help available and there's a growing awareness of this, the need for mental health resources. You know. What do you think are some of the things that drive the pressure? Because let, let's take a step back. So you've talked about the extent to which people tend to self-medicate you know, with things like alcohol or weed and, and so forth. And it's interesting because in, in the in, in the Brighton, in Brighton society, you know, it's not really taboo to smoke weed. And it's one of the, <laughs> just as an aside, I mean, it's one of those interesting things where people will challenge you if you say you don't want an alcoholic beverage, but they'll never challenge you if you turn down a joint, which is quite interesting, you know, and people don't ask me why I'm not drinking and I won't ask you why you are, I guess. It's kind yeah. of a, yeah, the, exactly. the way to go with that. And actually, I think one of the things, and I'll give a shout out to a great partner of the, of the station, which is Transsober. They were particularly helpful in, in regards to helping me through a very difficult time. And people who know me well know that I have a very unhealthy relationship with alcohol and credit cards. I can't really be trusted with either. So, <laughs> I mean, I laugh about it, but I, they are serious issues. And Transoba definitely were particularly helpful, a wonderful community. I think what's what's good about them is they understand what our issues are. And I think that was one of the things that challenged me most when I was going through AA is a lack of identity. You can't really identify necessarily with the struggles that other people have had. As LGBT people, we have different triggers, different things that actually push us and, and affect us. That's one aspect of it. What else do you think are the drivers for mental health challenges for people in our community? I think it's a, a sense of belonging because our mental health services are, are overstretched. And as you said, when you were at AA, you just didn't feel like you identified with those same problems. And I think there's a there's a general perception that because of perhaps the unique circumstances, there isn't any help available for somebody in our community. That largely it's like, well, I don't fit into this category or I don't fit into that category. And I think that contributes significantly. It seems to not be tailored towards people in our community, the mental health that's available. Yeah, and I guess given where we are at the moment, with everything going on, this constant barrage of anti-trans stuff going on, what are the sort of things people could do to insulate themselves maybe in terms of, although that's, that's more sort of in the coping strategies, I guess, which we'll get to later. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, one thing that's quite important is is having that peer support, that community around you, so that you don't feel like you are in isolation. And also, I think there's there's not enough education in general about the perhaps new unique mental health challenges faced by the community. So I think the community and and friends and allies of people facing mental health issues can do a bit more research to be more supportive so that if there's any mental health resources available out there, you can pass it on and just like tearing down the barriers to accessing mental health services in general for members in our community. So what is NLP? NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic programming. Um, Does that mean someone's going to is... are they going to stick a microchip in my head? <laughs> Not yet. So the neuro is the brain and the linguistics is is language, so it's basically it's like a talking therapy. It's how using 
certain language structures can help you to see problems from a different perspective. What do you think are some of the things that we've done to ourselves in order to protect us growing up maybe in a, I mean, for my part, I grew up in a very, what's the right word, uncomfortable environment, if you like, for who I was. So what do you think are some of the things that that would I should think about in terms of how they might have affected the way I think about things. I read something ages ago which talked to about how our brains are kind of formed by the time we're seven, and then everything we learn after that is travels along those those predefined pathways. So, what are the what do you think are some of the triggers as as when we were younger that might have impacted the way our internal thought process works and how we speak to ourselves? Yeah. By the age of seven, a a lot of development has already occurred and all those coping mechanisms against negativity become like quite truly cemented into your psyche as as it were. So if you faced a lot of that when you were younger, it's going to have a negative impact on your life as you grow older and become an adult because you'll always have those ego wounds of you're not good enough or "You're, you're not perfect. And I think what's particularly troubling is the transgender youth and children and what they are going through and how that could impact on their lives going forward. Yeah, that's a really interesting point because I think in one of our earlier shows, we did talk about how the environment in which we grow up in has a significant impact on the way our mental frameworks are constructed. And you talked a little bit there about feeling unworthy. Is is that what you... I can't quite remember what yeah, word you used. Yeah. yeah, I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm not worthy. Yeah. So what are some of the ways in which people might feel that way in society? I think it's... It's like repeating like a a videotape in in your head going forward that you're not good enough, you don't fit in because you're different, particularly because you're different, that you don't fit into society. And, uh, you know, it's like what coping mechanisms, what coping strategies do you develop to combat that? And a lot of it results in having mental health issues because you just can't take any more of it. It becomes a, a vicious cycle that you can't break free of. And that leads to, you know, the depression and the anxiety and things like that because it's it's like being repeated and repeated over and over again and you feel like you're going into a spiral that you can't seem to get yourself out of and I think that's how it mainly affects our mental health. Yeah, I can't remember if it was something we talked about on one of the previous shows or something you and I have just spoken about previously but one of the concepts that you introduced me to was this idea that we actually have this inbuilt fear of success as opposed you know, we think it's fear of failure, but actually what you're saying is it's fear of success. Do you want to unpack that a little bit more? <clears throat> yeah. So the, the way the brain is is basically designed, it's to protect you. So this is your sort of like your unconscious brain that you, you're not fully in, aware of all the time. But in the example that I've used before of instead of being afraid of failure, you're actually afraid of success because you know what failure looks like. Your brain knows what failure looks like. Your brain knows that you can survive failure. Not so sure about the success thing, which you might not have done before. So it tries to protect you and brings in all the self-sabotaging parts of it so that it thinks that it's protecting you from that unknown success because failure is the safer option makes sense. Yeah, and then I suppose if you layer on top of that this 
lack of worthiness. So not only do you not feel worthy of success on a conscious level, but on a subconscious level, you're afraid of it. So you're exactly. kind of double whammying yourself. Yeah, because your brain's just trying to protect you, keep you safe, and it's an unknown. So it will always go back to that default position of, oh, this is this is safer. We have survived this. We know how to deal with this. Mm. And that becomes like a self-perpetuating vicious circle. It just goes on and on and on and on. And every time you, you try and move forward, you're taking 10 steps back. Yeah, that's that's really, that's like, I think we need to think about that. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to let that sink in and you guys let that sink in. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Oh, I love this. We continue in moments. This is good. Yes, yes. You're locked to Trans Radio UK. Many website owners don't like their website hosting company or support provider but are too scared to move to someone else in case they lose their site or it affects their business. Based in Telford at Purple Prince Media, we will move your website to us free of charge with the best support possible. And if you're looking to start up a business, we're also here to design and build your website from the ground up with unbeatable prices on web hosting and dedicated servers. We're also certified Magento developers, which is the world's biggest e-commerce platform. So rest assured, your online business is just a click away. Drop us an email on hello at purpleprints.co.uk or visit purpleprints.co.uk to get started. Purple Prince Media, the local website company. Win £25,000 and help truck listens at the same time. Enter the Rainbow Lottery and click Truck Listens as your chosen organisation. And not only can you win £25,000, 50p of every ticket purchased will go to Truck Listens. Please see www.transradiouk.com and click Win £25,000 for more details. Ever thought about having your own radio show? Well, now you can, as we're looking for presenters to join our team. No experience is needed and minimal equipment required. For more information, email info at transradiouk.com. Transradio UK. Tune in via DAB in Ireland. Download our app via your smart speaker or online at transradiouk.com. Welcome here. Don't go anywhere as we bring you some more trucking, great music and chat here on Trans Radio UK. And we're back. So you were telling me in the break, Lee, about some really interesting research that you've come across, which talks to some of the data around the underlying mental health, the state of mental health in trans youth and or, or young trans people. Of course, from, from Lee and my perspective, anyone under 49 is, is young. So, <laughs> Lee, do you want to tell us a little bit about the research that, that you've been having a look at? Yeah, so I came across the Trevor Project, and in this year, 2023, they did a, a national survey in the US on the mental health of LGBTQ young people. And the research is quite fascinating, and it's a, it's a good read. But it highlights the mental health challenges faced by this community. And I think they surveyed like 28,000 LGBTQ young people aged between 13 and 24. And there were some alarming statistics 
and key findings from this report. So I'll just discuss a a couple of them. They found in their survey that 41% of the LGBTQ young people seriously considered suicide in the past year and transgender, non-binary and people of colour in the community reported the highest rate, higher rates than their peers. They also found that 56% of LGBTQ young people who wanted mental health care in the past year were not able to get it, which is like really scary. Transgender, non-binary young people who reported that they lived in in an environment where people respected their pronouns reported lower rates of attempted suicide. So so that's quite encouraging. Some of the other statistics were fewer than 40% of these young people found that their home environment was LGBTQ affirming. And roughly half of transgender and non-binary young people found that their school was gender affirming, gender affirming. And again, those who reported this also had lower rates of of suicide attempts, so that's linking in, you know, the acceptance and the gender affirming. But just just to yeah. summarise that, so what were the drivers? So you've got things that drive suicidal ideation, and then things which which are more supportive. So so what? Just summarise what the things are, because you were saying things like people in the, there was a lower suicide yeah. rate. So so the lower attempts at suicide were reported in those young people who found their home to be LGBTQ affirming and also that their school environment was gender affirming. Those categories of people interviewed had had lower suicide ratios in the in the survey. So it just demonstrates quite overwhelmingly the extent to which a supportive home environment and a supportive school environment is really important. It kind yeah, of absolutely. Bring, you know it brings me to this current debate which is raging at the moment which is around whether or not schools should out children to their parents if the child chooses to transition socially at school. And I think one of the well, before I give you my thoughts on that, what do you think of that? What do you think the impact of something like that would be? I mean, I think at the end of the day, whoever you are, you've got to put the child's best interests at heart. And if they're in a home environment where it's not inclusive and it's not accepting, then it could be a very dangerous situation for that young person to go to. So I think schools would need to weigh that up, possibly, and act in the best interest of the child. But they, they might not be aware. The parents. No, the school might not be aware of that situation. Quite often, these parents, abusive parents, put on a very non-confrontational public image, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. So and I think probably probably the they've weighed it up and they've decided well it's the child it's confidential and if the child doesn't want us to involve the family then we won't because I think they're trying to act in the child's best interest. Well, except that people are saying that the parents have a right to know about such an important life decision. I mean, where I stand on it, I think most of us as a community would agree wholeheartedly with this, that we usually do come out to our friends before our family. You've got your family you choose and the family you grow. And our friends, especially if we are, what's the right word? If we are not heteronormative, to use an expression we used in one of our previous shows, you know, those of us that exist on the margins of heteronormative society tend to make friends with people who are obviously like that as well. I've always found it quite significant that the people I made friends with at school, now I went to school in an environment where being gay would get you beaten and expelled. And they used to 
say, well, you know, they're expelled for their own safety, which I suppose to a certain extent was true, given the school that I went to. But it's really interesting how the, the guys I was like, that I really liked spending time with turned out to be gay, you know, came out later. And I've always found that quite interesting. So I, I sort of, my personal gaydar is if I meet a man and I like his company, there's a good chance he's gay, even if he doesn't know it or not. <laughs> Sniffer dog. Yeah, so so the point I was making is that we tend to gravitate towards those people that, that we identify with. So there's a very good chance you've come out socially to your friends and your close peer group before you speak to your parents. Because obviously speaking to your parents, you, you really don't know which way they're going to go unless they've been really gender affirming and they're really supportive types of parents, then fine, that's not an issue. But then those kids probably wouldn't have an issue, you know, when they're explaining to their teachers to explain, it's fine, you know, you can speak to my parents, they're completely on board with this. And they probably would have come out to their parents beforehand. It's those kids that the, the challenges, you know, these are parents who are causing a ruckus because their children have come out and not told them. And they somehow think that somehow this is the school's fault because it's got to be someone else's fault. And it's not, heaven forbid, that it should be the parents' fault that the children have chosen not to share something with them. And one of the other commentators that I follow on YouTube is, is a trans woman called Katie Montgomery and she was talking about this on her YouTube show the other day and the thing which she was saying is that and I've lost my train of thought now <laughs> I'll come back to what Katie was saying but yeah it's you know she was addressing this particular topic and it really is horrific that you're going to expect schools to have to dob, their, dob these kids into their parents. I just think that's absurd. Oh, that's what Katie was talking about, is the right to privacy. Even as children, children have a right to privacy. They could abuse that right. In other words, parents discover that they're drinking or smoking or anything like that. But, you know, if a kid is found to be smoking and the parents are upset, they don't blame the school. And the other thing Katie said, which, which was so interesting, interesting is if my children came out socially and didn't tell me that's on me that's not on them and that's not on the school you know if my children didn't feel comfortable enough to have that conversation with me that's on me that's not on the kids and it's not fair to put that on the kids and it's not fair to put it on the schools i'm ranting again <laughs> I mean, dare we even talk about the situation in Florida where they've just passed a law that says the state can remove children from a home where there's a transgender parent. This is exactly what we were talking about a few weeks ago on, on the transgender side. Oof. Okay, sorry, back to you, because now I'm taking up all the mic space again. Sorry, what were you talking about? <laughs> I think it's time for an ed break. <laughs> what I were think you talking you, about? No, I think you're right as well. We were talking about the statistics. We were talking about yeah. the statistics and then I went off on and, one again. And about <laughs> whether the schools, or I suggested that the schools are working in the best interest of, of the child and not necessarily the parent. Oh, yeah, and that sent me off yeah. on a on, <laughs> on a rant. All right, we're going to take a quick break and when we'll come back, I'll let Lee hopefully talk some more. <laughs> See you in a bit. Oh, I love this. We continue in moments. This is good. Yes, yes. You're locked to Trans Radio UK. Are you trans and non-binary and feel like drugs or alcohol are impacting your life negatively? Why not check out Trans Sober? We're a grassroots peer support group for the community, by the community. Find us at www.transsober.org and join us online or come to one of our weekly drop-ins. We also offer other useful resources. 
Looking for business cards? Flyers? In fact, anything in print? We can help. Digital format specialists. www.printsmart.uk.com Think smart, print smart. Did you know you can advertise with us for less than a pound a day? Call 0207 856 0584 or email sales at transradiouk.com. Trans Radio UK, a global radio station, the whole LGBTQ plus community can be proud of. Are you looking for an intimate and affordable graphic design service? Are you an indie author needing help to publish your book? Theodora Rosenberg is here to help. With packages for marketing, publishing and branding available, you're sure to be satisfied. Find out more at authortheorose.com. Trans Radio UK is on right now. Across the UK and beyond. Now, now, more of the music you love. Trans Radio UK. Right, welcome back, everybody. I've now unwound from my rent, and <laughs> I'm going to let Lee tell us about some of the other stats, and hopefully, I won't rant again. Okay, so some of the other interesting statistics, and again, this is linking back to the school and about reinforced behaviours and and things like that. So the majority of of young people who were interviewed reported being verbally harassed at school because people thought that they were LGBTQ. And that nearly one in three of these young people said that their mental health was poor most of the time or always due to anti-LGBTQ policies and legislation. So that has an impact on their mental health as well. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm going to rant again. So (laughs) (laughs) there was that situation last, I think it was last week, where might have been the week before, where that young kid was beaten up by a bunch of kids from his school or their school for being gay. And that's kind of what you're talking about, isn't it? That ostracization and and stuff. But this Mm. was actual physical harm. And I'm pretty sure, I think I said at the time that, yeah, we did actually talk about this last week, didn't we? Because I was saying how if I have a dog and it bites someone, then that's on me. Sorry, I forget, you know, that (laughs) was a whole week ago. We did actually have that conversation. But what happened subsequent to that was KJK, that horrible, I mean, let's face it, she's one letter off KKK, (laughs) Kelly J. King or Keen or whatever her name is, I really don't care, actually came out, it was either her or Maya Forrester, who's another nasty, nasty, for Lee's benefit, because she might not know who some of these TERFs are. One of them came out and said, well, it's actually because of the LGBT kids that this kid got beaten up because they're accusing us of making the environment toxic for straight people. That's absolutely absurd. I mean, what do you think about that, Lee? That's turning the whole situation on its head. People um, who live in glass houses shouldn't throw the stones, you know, that kind of thing. It's like... Well, it's full-on projection, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right, so I'll stop myself... Fortunately, I did that rant last week, didn't I? Okay. All right. So, so let's think. Sum up for us what we've talked about so far, Lee, because you, you're good at that. So what have we said so far? 
Okay, so so far we've given a brief overview about the mental health struggles in our community. We've briefly touched on different aspects of mental health like substance abuse, suicide risk, anxiety and depression. We've had a look at some of the statistics as well and uh, the prevalence of... Yeah, so we've had a look at different statistics and, and how mental health is categorised in the LGBTQ community. And cool. uh, yeah, it's about where we get. Okay. So Lee and I have both had like an exhausting day. <laughs> so we're both kind of running. We're not quite sure where we're starting conversations and where we're planning to finish them. So it's a really interesting day today. All right. So what are some of the ways as a community we can be there for each other? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question, Julie. And, you know, I think part of it is to promote inclusivity and acceptance in our community so that we can continue to advocate for a more inclusive and accepting society, really. And this this would include how our communities represented in the media, schools, the workplace, as well as standing up against discrimination and, and hate speech, supporting laws and policies that protect the rights and freedoms of individuals in our community and also contribute to a safer and more accepting society. I think I mentioned peer support earlier and, yeah, whether it's in person or online, it's, it's vital to, to have that community of peer support. And I think knowing that there are others who understand and share your experiences as a community can, can provide some comfort in reducing feelings of isolation. And, you know, the, the community can work together to establish safe spaces, particularly for, for the youth, where individuals can express themselves freely and, and receive support from, from others. I think I mentioned briefly the, the mental health resources. There are quite a few resources out there but people probably don't know about them so again as the community we can work together to reduce these barriers and and advocate for more inclusive healthcare policies you know fundraising to make mental health awareness resources more accessible so that we can provide information to especially the youth in our community educating ourselves as allies and, and family and, and friends and then you know just linking it all in with, with families and how families can play a crucial role in the mental health well-being of members of our community, providing resources and support, helping them to understand and affirm their loved ones' identities. You know, it, it could involve in encouraging family counselling or providing more informational materials to help families better understand the issues. And then I think importantly, it's, it's self-care and resilience, you know, encourage self-care practices and resilience among our community is, is also very important. You know, this can be in the form of promoting mindfulness, stress management techniques and strategies for dealing with discrimination and hate speech and other challenges. And, you know, I think just to, to sum it up, we have to remember that it's it's all of our responsibility in our community to support mental health. And it's not just the LGBTQIA plus community, it's, it's allies, it's healthcare providers, it's educators and policymakers. They 
they all have a role to play in creating a society that that supports the values and and you know supports and, and values LGBTQIA mental health. Yeah, it's, you, you raise an interesting point there because so I, I'm that sort of typical person who has a bad relationship with alcohol because my mother was an alcoholic, and it's quite interesting because when I was a youngster, there was an alcoholic. So you had well, so obviously you've got Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the organisation and the structure that's created to help people with their drinking issues. But there's another organization called Al-Anon, which focuses very specifically on the family members of the person who's struggling with their alcohol addiction. And, you know, there's similar ones for Narcotics Anonymous and so forth, but not to the same extent. And I think in this scenario, certainly when I came out, my ex said to me, you know, that the thing that she struggled most most with was finding resources to try and understand. You know, it was, you know, she, she was wonderful. She was really, she wanted to be an ally. She wanted to understand. Um, and she struggled to find those resources. And I think that's somewhere where I know that like the Claire Project, for example, do have that as a as something that they do. But I think it's making people more aware. So yeah, I think that is something as a community we could probably look to do more with is making sure people understand that there are facilities available to family members of trans youth for them to understand. I think all sorts also have programs around this, but they're not well known. And I, I think you're right. I think we need to promote those more. I mean, in terms of safe spaces, the Trans Pride Centre on St. James's Street in Kemp Town, and this is from a, a from a Brighton perspective, they, they're particularly good. And I'll be interested if the people either on the radio station chat or on our chat room on tigergirl.smartstack.com had to get that plug in there. <laughs> yeah, let us know where those resources are available to you in other parts of the world where this radio station is going out to but certainly for for Brighton folk I in my own personal experience there's the, the Trans Pride Centre in Kemp Town and Transober who I talked about who are particularly good and of course one of our station sponsors or, or one of the initiatives that we talk about in our in our ad breaks is truck listens and um, you know use those those facilities because they're there they're there for you and this radio station exists to to do these things. Truck United Football Club, we've talked about sport and mental health. Another local initiative that I can talk to is there's an, an organization called Trans Can Sport. So doing more, I mean, I know for myself personally, I've set myself a personal goal to do more for trans youth and sport. So, so that's something that's definitely I want to do because I think sport is really a critical aspect to, to mental health. I mean, would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, in terms of what you can do to, to help yourself, like some of the this coping strategy, it's movement, it's get out, it's it's become involved in sport, it's doing exercise that can that can help to, you know, help you with depression and empty and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we're going to go into our last ad break and listen out for the number in this ad break for, I'm trying to think, I've just lost the name again, <laughs> for truck lessons, because it's really important if you are struggling to reach out and, and speak to someone. I think that's the key message here. All right, we're going to go into a quick break and we'll be back after these messages. Oh, I love this. We continue in moments. This is good. Yes, yes. You're locked to Trans Radio UK. Do you need someone to talk to? If you're on your own, decide 
feel you have no one that will listen. It doesn't have to be that way. Well, everybody hurts, but sometimes everybody cries. Everybody hurts. Talk lessons because everyone needs to talk sometime. Call 0800-009-6640 between 8am and 2am. Truck listens because everybody needs to talk sometime. Did you know we receive no funding here at Trans Radio UK? To keep us on air and growing, we rely on donations. To donate, please head to www.transradiouk.com and click the link. A regular payment of £20 will see you become a partner of Truck. Other options are available. Email info at transradiouk.com for details. A big thank you from all the team here at Trans Radio UK. The world's largest radio station for the trans community. Trans Radio UK. Welcome back, everybody. So one of the things from my own personal experience, I mentioned that I was struggling. After the RFU made the decision to ban trans women from the women's game, it really untethered me. And I had this idea in my mind about, I sort of had these things that, that were part of my identity. So before I came out, you know, things that were my identity were my children, my job, my relationship with my partner, thing, my hobbies. And those were things that tethered me to the reality reality that I existed in. And then obviously, when I transitioned, I was actually fortunate to, for the first five years of my transition anyway, to retain those tethers. And then when when my relationship with my ex ultimately broke down, which which is can be inevitable, I think, for, for trans people, because, you know, my partner married a, a burly rugby player, man's man, and she's not a lesbian. So and even if she were, I probably wouldn't be her type. So yeah, so that breakdown. I became untethered from from her and my children, and, and the issue, the situation with my children is still difficult. And I I created new tethers for myself. One being the rugby, and the other one my motorcycling, which is quite a passion for me. And you know, rugby really took that away from you know losing rugby. I became very untethered, and I've struggled actually until until Truck were kind enough to offer me the station, that this show on their station. In a way, this has replaced the tether that used to be attached to rugby but obviously it's still important to me but one of the things which really helped me work my way through these challenges was a process which Lee introduced me to and one of the reasons Lee and I are such good friends now and we still continue to work together and I wanted to give her the opportunity to talk to you um, a little bit in the time we've got left a little bit about that process and why she thinks it's it, it works and and I can tell you it works but yeah let's give her an opportunity to tell us a little bit about how it works and why it works. Yeah thank you Julie so just a bit of background I 
have mentioned my issues with struggles with mental health and and accessing mental health help. And at one point I was bounced around from, you know, you're a depression case versus you're a, you know, you've got alcohol issues and nobody really wanted to to help, it seemed to me, you know, because I was just being signposted from one place to another. And, you know, in in my darkest despair, what what really sort of like helped me the most was when I invested in, in coaching myself. And, uh, you know, it was it was one of those things where you're browsing Facebook and an ad pops up and the ad actually speaks to you. And this chap was 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 on this Facebook ad and his main sort of like premise was you're not broken. And I'll just repeat that. You're not broken. And it was like, wow, I'm not broken. You're absolutely right. And of course, I, I went on his his webinar and then I signed up for his coaching and basically, when it comes to creating the life that you desire in terms of the personal development space, is that everyone is talking about the difference between being satisfied with what you have or being able to manifest that life that is aligned with your, your true desires. And traditional manifestation processes only address half the equation because they focus on fixing or healing your existing problems and your past trauma and experiences. And the problems with these methods are that it's based in problem solving, which means that you will always have to look to fix or improve yourself in order to be motivated and, and to move forward. And this is when I said it's your, your brain comes in there to, to protect you. And I gave the analogy of the success versus failure. And, and this is what happens. And that's why we tend to take one step forward towards our goal. And then we get sucked back into it because we've got these, I call them the egoic wounds of I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I need to be perfect. And that kind of like sucks you back into to that loop. And it's a perpetual loop that you, you, you get in because the more you, you desire a certain reality, the more your unconscious egoic beliefs pull you back into your unwanted experience. And it was through going through this creative process that I learned to, you know, resolve that that tension that was going on in terms of the unconscious egoic beliefs, because it was a case of acknowledging there was a whole process, a whole five step process. But it was a, a case of acknowledging these egoic, unconscious egoic beliefs and, and wound patterns and understanding that what happened in the past, all, all those traumas that I had experienced happened in the past. And you just acknowledge them and then let them go and realize that, you know, it's not your fault. And a lot of other sort of like coaching methodologies, you have to delve deep into all the whys and and, and things like that. And in this five-step process, it's the acknowledgement is all that's required. You don't have to delve deep into that. And then you're able to just let go of that and, and move forward in creative in- energy. So it's like acknowledging those things that have happened in the past are in the past, but not in the present, not in the now, not in the future. And the the five-step process is to be future focused on not what your problems were, but what you what you really truly desire. What what is your true nature and purpose? So the five steps are quite easy. You you choose a, a true goal and it's aligned with you know your sort of end result in mind. Like what would you desire to create to create? And then you create something that is called structural tension, and you go through a process. It's a it's a goal setting process called 
lenses and it kind of like focuses out on the future so 12 months away and then you bring the lens in a little bit and you come to six months and then down to a month down to a week down to a day and then it's forward focusing so you focus on the immersion and this is the key thing here the emotion of how it would feel to have that end goal now to to live in it to be it and there's all sorts of processes that you go through and it links very much to neuro-linguistic programming and also you know sort of like neural science and epigenetics which is another part of of the, the process and then this is the key bit here is step four you you unplug and it's replacing those old habits and beliefs and feelings with new ones so you go through a process of doing that and then the last step step five is to take that action and that links to your your goal setting your lenses to take that aligned action and create momentum and momentum is is moving forward going in the right direction and then removing any sort of resistance that comes out of what if I get it wrong and then going back to removing any resistance that comes in where you have your unconscious egoic agendas that come and say well you, you don't know how to succeed you know you're good at failing let's rather fail so that's kind of like the the five-step process in, in a nutshell yeah it's really amazing you know as, and I can't say enough you know how it was such an interesting way of looking at the world and you know saying and I, I think the key thing was how did it make how does it feel because that that you know when we set goals you know they tend to be quite clinical so you know you say well I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm 40 or whatever obviously that that ship has sailed but but where you took it to that next level which was so fundamental for me was when you, you challenged me to say okay so so you where you want to be so you visualize that and say and then it was that and how does it feel to be there and that was such an interesting I, it took me a while you know I think we had to leave it for a week so I could think about that yeah <laughs> And I think that's that's the key difference for me is about, yes, understanding what it is probably, I guess, the best way to put it is is at a understanding what it is at a superficial level or a tangible, touchable level. But then saying, OK, so so how do you feel now that you're there? Putting yourself there and saying, what's the feeling? What's the emotion? And that was really critical to me to then, as you say, so walking it back and saying, OK, so if that's in a year's time, I want to feel like that. And, and it's such an interesting thing you say okay so to get to feel like that then in six months time you know I think over the next six months I can work towards these things and in six months time I'll feel like this and then in a, in a month in a week and today and it's an interesting thing one of the things I did take away from AA which I thought was was useful was their expression around just for today and I still use that every day and you know you, you're never cured from an addiction you just learn to live with it you learn to manage it you learn to be in control of it as best that you can. And one of the ways you do that is you just say to yourself, just today, don't do not do that thing. You know, just for today, stay sober. And if you really need to, fine. You know, be kind to yourself. Tomorrow, if you feel like you need to have a drink tomorrow, you can have it tomorrow. But just for today, don't do it today. And the other thing which we talked about, which was fundamental, was not punishing yourself when you do. You know, when and it took me, we, Lee and I have a common, uh, have a friend 
friend in common. And this particular friend, you know, was really on my case about how much I was drinking. And I kept saying to her, I said, I know a day will come where I will wake up in the morning and I will think to myself, this doesn't serve me anymore. And then I'll be able to to get my drinking under control. And and that is and I didn't say by when. I just knew that I wanted that feeling of not being dependent on alcohol. I knew I wanted to feel that, that self-control. But I allowed my body, my mind to adjust itself in the time it needed to 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 do that. And that's where people say about being kind to yourself is, is don't set yourself unrealistic goals. But I will challenge you that a realistic goal is to not do something just for one day. So just for today, don't do that thing or do that other thing. So just for today, go to gym because don't, you know, tomorrow's fine. If you don't feel like going to gym the next day or on Friday, don't go on Friday. But just for today, go today, which reminds me I need to go to gym. <laughs> All right, this has been a really interesting conversation. And I think coming off the back of this, there's quite a lot of future stuff that we could talk about. And one of the things I would like to talk about is I think we'd like to talk some more about coping strategies. I think that's really important. Although Lee did talk about a lot of that up front. And I think this process that she's taken me through, I think we need to talk more about that because it really is quite fundamental to, to it's it certainly changed my life in a big way. And, and I think in many ways, the reason Lee and I together are on this show is one of those realizations. It's one of those things just manifesting. Neither of us could have aimed for the goal and achieved it. It was something we both felt we wanted to get our message out there and we wanted to share our experience and, you know, things about our lives and we wanted to help people. That was kind of where we started from and, and this is where we are. So it's a very powerful pro program. And I think we need to talk more about that in going forward. So we're going to wrap it up there. And Lee, is there anything you want to say in closing? Yeah, I think let's just remind our listeners to reach out for help if they need it and to be a helping hand to those in the community who, who need a help. And I think just to continue the conversation about mental health in your own circles, challenge the stigma, you know, work towards a future where every individual's mental health is prioritized and respected. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Thank you, everybody. And hopefully we'll see you again next week. And we leave you in love and light. Have a good week, everybody. Take care, everyone. Bye.